Your favorite weekly podcast. Well, it might not be your favorite, but we're here anyway. You're, you're listening, so that's on you. <laughs> yeah, we cannot be held responsible from this point forward no. for how you feel about it. But welcome to talk about that. I'm John. This is Johnny. Hey. We do this every week. Maybe you're new. Maybe you didn't know who we were. No. <laughs> you think, well, I hope we're still getting new listeners. I like to think that. Sure. Uh, yeah, we actually have a comment from a listener. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. It was like related that. to coffee. We'll have to cover that here. I think I saw this as a review. They, it was a question in the review. It was uh, like, I like the show, but... And I was like, oh, no, here we go. Yeah, it was a five-star. And then it got into... No, and then I got into it. I thought it was going to be like a, a scathing indictment of, I normally like you guys, but then you said this. Nobody's done that. I know you're very... Let's talk about let's talk about your need to please people. Uh, <laughs> I think we've talked about that a lot. It's uh, it's there. Well, it's there, John. Well, again, you have a you have a career that literally is making people laugh. So, yeah, I don't work a lot if people don't, you know, if people aren't pleased, John. Yeah, I'm looking up that thing right now. By the way, there it is. Okay, so <clears throat> yeah, uh, the title is "Please Say It Was a Joke." Right. I enjoy you too, but I was a little heartbroken when I realized you weren't joking about starting your coffee drinking chapter of life on Keurig. I kind of agree. Yeah, that you don't want to start with Keurig. When you said it, but I was just hoping to get you in with anything. Yeah. It was a great joke I'm not going to go and make like a French press pour over my first coffee. I don't know what I'm doing. And then Starbucks was mentioned as a better option. And he's got a, a like a, look guys, I'm not being dramatic. Like, this is like recommending starting the roast beef chapter of life on Arby's and Subway. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Please find someone to give you a better tour and take your wife along because it matters that much. Love you guys. Looking out for you. Stay funny and thanks for all you do. So, the roast beef chapter of life. That was Nick Dasso via Apple Podcast. If you're you, starting a roast beef chapter of life, it's not a... <laughs> I was going to say. You're not going to have a very long life. How many chapters yeah. of life... Are named by food products in in someone's life. Nick, we got to ask you that. There's like, somebody that does the these TikTok videos, and they're doing like random childhood sayings or stories, and they're doing back. They're the same person, but they're going back and forth as other two different people, and they're having a conversation, <laughs> and they're real. And the person can make themselves cry on cue, and when they realize that it's a very dark story, they go, "But that's not." And then you it cuts back to them, and they're tearing up. And one of them is the this little piggy went to market. Yeah, the little piggy went to market. But, yeah, the little piggy went to market. Why do you think the piggy went to market? We was shopping at the market. No, the piggy went to market. And then she's like, like, in the market? Like that, and she's like starting to cry. <laughs> like you realize, and I don't think I ever thought about that either. Yeah. Like that piggy's dead being sold in the market. Well, one piggy stayed home. And why, listen, it all comes off the rails. One piggy had had roast roast beef. beef. He started the roast beef chapter of his life. That's what I was getting to. And then another one cried, wee, wee, wee. Is that French? Are uh, these French pigs? Yes, yes, yes. He cried, wee, 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 because they missed with the cleaver, maybe? (laughs) So he's like limping on three legs. I never told you the funniest thing my wife has ever said in her life. I mean, she said a lot of funny things. I may have told you this. We have a dog, Ace, who is a Bichon Poodle. So he's two French breeds. A Poujon. Yeah. And he, unlike our other dog, Brutus, Ace mm. lays, he sprawls out, spread puppy. Yeah. Like just, you know, just lays on his back. And it's the funniest thing. Like paws up in the air. Right. Yeah, my dog spread, does that. Just, you know, lays there. 
on his back. Sleeps like that. Yeah. And so <laughs> I looked at him one day. We were laughing, and Laura says, paint me like one of your French dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm funny. telling you. Honey, well done. I mean, that's like to funny. this day, paint me. I still laugh. That's uh, funny. That's uh, that's funny stuff right there. Hey, I got good news for you. <clears throat> it's actually really, really big news, and I haven't told you. Okay. And I don't know if you've heard about this, but there is an advanced auto parts opening <sighs> right over here. Do you know where Pier One was? Yeah. It's now advanced auto parts coming soon. Look at that. We're going to have an auto parts store on the south side of Mount Juliet. Look at this. I'm telling you, it's going to be life-changing. It's a very regional talk yeah. that we're doing. You don't think anyone's listening to this, do you? No. This is just our conversation. No. But it is true. We've talked about that, that they keep bringing in all these businesses, but there's no auto parts. It's like they go, well, these people don't fix their cars. <laughs> but there's literally <laughs> the other side of Mount Juliet. Yeah. There's like a five. whole row of it. It's yeah. like auto part row. Mm-hmm. There's an advance. There's an auto. There is a... Auto. Auto zone. Auto zone. Sorry, I'm just, I figured you don't need extra words to finish sentences. <laughs> <laughs> just, there is a, uh, Napa, o- an O'Reilly's, a Napa, and then I think there's another, there's like five. Yeah. And they're all within like two miles of each Bob's other. Bob's auto parts. Ugh, Bob. And then down here on this part, when I just need, I don't know, yeah. a can of oil. Brake pad, something. Something. Yeah. Well, you don't just buy one. You usually buy one. One brake pad. Can I just... Can I get a brake pad? You just pull out like a handful of change. How much for one? I'm doing them <laughs> one side at a time. <laughs> uh, I don't know. But yeah, so... I, but I just... I have... I bought a new... new new to me. Bought a new car. Wow. So someone, I'm hoping I won't need... I you, someone's having a rough year, I heard. And now you're just dropping coin, buying car. <sighs> Somebody got a stimmy. <laughs> they caught a stimmy? Yeah, I got my stimmy. I'm not. I've not heard that. The 600. I took the 600. That's that was almost enough for my down payment. No. Bought the brake pads. I bought the brake. No, I decided. Well, I've talked about it before, but I've decided to get. I decided to get a hybrid because I knew I'll be driving a lot more this year. Right. It was time to kind of like either put a lot more money into the car I had because it was due for all a bunch of service. Yeah. New tires and everything. So I decided to kind of like trade it in, and I got a uh, yeah. I got a little Kia. Koreans make good cars, John. I don't know if you know this, but they're known for it. Oh, they do. And uh, Hyundai and Kia, both. Um, so yeah, so I got a Kia, little Kia Nero, mm-hmm. and uh, it gets about fifty over fifty miles to the gallon. John. Wow. The other one I had it got nineteen. Wow. So that's a that's an improvement. It doesn't persecute Christians, does it? No, like but Nero. it's got a lot of safety features, uh, so I can fiddle while I drive it. Hi, oh, is he right? Uh, if you know Roman history. That was just a, that was like a myth, right? That was one of those things that the people all said about Nero, that he fiddled while Rome burned. I don't know. They blamed. They could be just. That he set Rome on fire himself. Or did he, did he think he set the fire or he just didn't care enough? They think that he, he either set it or a fire was set. To blame the Christians? He he blamed Christians, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, very interesting. But that has nothing to do with your car. No. It's even spelled differently. Hopefully my car will not catch on fire. Right. Hopefully. If it does, though, run down to. Advanced Auto Parts, coming soon. <laughs> That's right. Drive it on fire. Drive it on fire down there. Didn't, you have, look a, at it. didn't you have a story of a car on fire here very recently? I had No. Oh, wait. Not yes. You, oh, friend. well, I did have a car catch on fire back in the day, back when we were <laughs> just fr- new friends, because I used to drive, uh, every car I had was like a disposable car. I had a Plymouth Volari. That was the car that 
we'd start. It's in 1978. We'd start it up every day to take Curry to work, and because uh, we shared the car, I'd take her to work and then I'd go to work. Back it up, put it, in, start it up, put it in reverse, and as I back up, it dies every day, and I would just like let it kind of just like of its own momentum, just kind of back around. Before I would start it again, put it in park and start it again. And every time while I was back around, I'd look over at Curry and I'd go, man, this thing's running quiet. And it made me laugh every time. But it <laughs> never made her laugh. Not once. But I didn't care. I'd still do it. Yeah. Now I do it with the hybrid, but it really is running quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I just back up. And I go, man, this thing's running quiet. Uh, no laugh. But that that car one time backfired. Uh, it ran out of gas, and we were trying to get it to start. And there was a, somebody told me that you could open up. It had the big like carburetor where you lift off the big round uh-huh. lid, oh, yeah. and the big radial uh, air filter was in there. Yeah. And they said you can pour gas, pure gas, right into that. But you pour only a little bit. Well, they poured a lot <laughs> while I cranked it, and uh-huh. it backfired into the carburetor and burst into flames. So now the car is on fire inside the hood. And we were at our buddy Brian's house, Brian Milam. And so he runs to his yard and he has this like dog dish, huge dog dish full of water. And he pours it on a gas fire, which is not what you do to a gas fire. Now the flames are five times higher. See, you feed a cold and you You starve starve a gas fire. I can't wait. He, the Hulk, now the whole thing's engulfed. Why do I not remember? Because I rode in the Valari with you. Yeah. Why do I not recall? Well, that was it, because it melted everything inside of it. Like, there was no coming back like, from How that. did you, you just had it towed off and that was it? Yeah, a lot of those. And did you blame Brian for this? No, we didn't know. I mean, I wasn't going to go get some iodized salt. <laughs> Quick. You know, it wasn't like we didn't have kitchen nightmares. We Gingerly. weren't watching. You know, we weren't watching. We didn't know to throw flour or whatever you do on a grease fire. <laughs> we still don't know, apparently. So We're we just making things up. You yeah, you smother it. You should have sm- he should have put a blanket on it or something. You smother a right. uh, but we just threw water on a take a gas. pillow. And yeah, and so violently. It, it was bad. So yeah, so that car that was it for the, for that car. That was like my little $500 car, but anyway, so yeah, by my buddy Max. This is the door you were talking about. Yeah. I don't know if you'd want me telling this cuz I don't know all the details, but Well, that's the best kind of story to tell. You- he evidently was in Tampa. I have a friend, Max, who's a juggler, comedian guy, great guy. He's done America's Got Talent. He's one of these guys, too, that's like jacked. He's in his 60s, jacked. Wow. Works out every day. Looks like Jack LaLanne. So he's driving in Tampa. I think he was there for work or something. And he just sees this overturned truck on the road, and it's in it's on fire. And then he's like, huh. and he stops. There's like a traffic jam around. Everybody's rubbernecking. He pulls over because he hears somebody say, there's somebody in there, and I think he's on fire. He runs over. He smashes the windshield and then pulls it back with his hands because he couldn't get the door open and, like, pulls a guy from a burning truck and saved his life. That's unbelievable. And uh, he's got, like, cuts on his hands and stuff, but he's okay, He smashed the windshield with his hands? I think so. Either that or it was smashed partially. He said he pulled it back. He had to pull the windshield out of the car with his hands, and that's where he got cuts. But, my, uh, my fear would be if I tried to do that, like I wasn't able. Yeah. That'd be a bad moment. It would. Like if I would have been a stronger person. You could have helped. Right. Instead. That's, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There's That's the thing is like, I drive, we drive by accidents all the time now and I always assume, it used to, used to be like, I should stop, but now everybody has a cell phone. You're like, 
somebody's help. But if you see somebody, oh, I stop all the time. We stopped on the way to the on the, the way to the beach, and we were right after this accident. And several nurses, all from Nashville, we were in Alabama, happened to all pull over. Oh, right. And so, so Laura this, can help though. That's the oh, thing. Yeah, yeah, we already had masks on, so we got out. Yeah. Wait, the police weren't there yet. No one was there yet. So, and it was pretty bad. Um, so, she loves that though. Sure, oh. she's yeah. It's she her, her skill it and, kicks in. Yeah, and I and I have assisted her in so many emergency situations. You know, I'm not near. If I'm alone, it's a I, I, sometimes. Well, and you wouldn't want her to stop if it was like a dude just stranded on the side. That's what I mean, though. So if you see somebody stranded, I don't mean like an accident. I mean yeah. if you see a stranded person, it could be like a thing. That's a whole thing of like, if it's a family, you might stop and be like, "Do you need help? Well, have you called?" I'm away to Knoxville for a writing trip last year. That I, it, I came by a tractor trailer right past Cookville that mm-hmm. was on fire yeah and nobody was around so i pulled over yeah and it was on the interstate and the guy there was a guy i pulled pretty far away there was a guy standing outside obviously the driver up mm-hmm. on the kind of the, the embankment of the hill looking at it and within like 30 seconds that thing you can imagine it it was engulfed like it started off as a, just a small and it, it was engulfed in flames and I was yelling at the guy, like, hey, are you okay? And he never answered. He was on the phone, I'm sure, with whomever, like, my truck's on fire. You know, that's probably what he said. <laughs> <laughs> Some guy's yelling at me, like, because I was like, you know. And then another car pulled over, because, I mean, it's now a spectacle. Like, I mean, you, this is a huge fire. Yeah. And so another guy pulled over, and we're standing there. I was like, he's okay. He's not answering me. And, you know, and I was trying to keep my distance. And then we started hearing this pow, pow. Oh, boy. And so he had ammo or a gun or both. In or the, someone was shooting from the inside. Right. Of the, or the guy. Right. It was me, actually. I was Ghost shooting. Ghost Rider was in there shooting his way out. I was shooting at the flaming vehicle. As you do. Just as is custom. Guns fix everything. They do. So, um, And so I think uh, the guy standing right next to me said, okay, wow, something just flew past my foot. Like he, he, oh, wow. And so we were. So like, he had live ammo just like going yeah, off from the heat. So we got our cars and left. But that was okay. I didn't have to run in and save him or anything, but Man. he was our Unless that guy was a murderer, he had set the truck on fire and was wow. standing there watching it and calling someone to brag. And I was supposed to, that's why I wouldn't answer because I was just going to undo, you know, all, who knows? That's the scene. I've never conceptualized. What if it was for the insurance money or whatever? Yeah. And there was a, maybe I needed to go inside the truck. But. There's like somebody he's killed and he needs to burn the body for like evidence or whatever. But just driving up the interstate right past Cookville, I don't know if that'd be where you would that's do why such the, a thing. That's why it's the perfect crime. Uh, no well, one would ever suspect. If you go to the woods, that's where that stuff happens. Yeah, but, but, nobody, you don't. but you go there because no one in the woods sees it. So I hear about crime. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not speaking as much from experience. I'm not saying I've lived a crimeless life. No one's saying that you've set your car on fire or you've tried to get rid of evidence. I didn't. I don't. I'm just saying, yeah, I've had my own share. Yeah. But it's not been very violent or trying to get rid of evidence. When I did driving school for one of my tickets, one of my many t- I had a lot of tickets growing yeah. up. Like my first year of driving, I think I got seven or eight tickets. Wow. A lot of them were for, I was very careless person i was a very forgetful person and i would drive without my headlights on at night mm. and i would just take off and i had an older car so you have to now they're auto right but every car back then you had to remember to put them on and if you drive without your headlights on they just assume you're drunk that's a very drunk people thing to do evidently so mm. cops are always i mean it's a safety thing but they always assume i'm gonna have this guy do the sobriety test too because so you had to do the sobriety test i had to do the sobriety test more than once wow 
Well, they would talk to you first, and if you didn't That'd slur be, your words or whatever, they would. So literally, they talk to you, and still, you had to get out and walk a lot. One time, one time, but he just goes, you know, that's he. That's how I figured it out because the guy says, you know, we usually do sobriety tests on people who don't have their headlights on this late at night because that's a thing you forget. Wow. You just get in the car and start driving. I was like, I don't know. I was just going by the streetlights, I guess, and it didn't seem dark to me. I'm an, I'm an idiot. I'm not drunk. Right. You have to con- you have to convince them that you're not inebriated. You're just really stupid. Right. You're so stupid that you're doing things inebriated people do. Right. Right. Without the joy of also being drunk. Inebriation. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I didn't even get the, we, I didn't get the fun part. You know, we almost called this podcast the joy of inebriation. inebriation. <laughs> <laughs> but we couldn't even pronounce it. Evidently. Never. Yeah. Thursday. Anyway, so yeah, I've I had a lot of tickets of my first years of driving. And one of the driving times I was at a driving school, the guy said, if there are, are there any questions you've always wanted to ask a cop? And it was interesting because there were a lot of questions that I didn't expect. And one, one of the guys just flat out asked him, are there quotas? Like, do you have, cause you ever know, you always notice right. there's more cops out at the end of the, at the end of the month. People always notice that. Oh, uh, it's the 29th. Watch out. Yeah. You know? And he basically said, he denied it, but he also said, "If you if you come in and you've not given out any tickets, that's a thing. Like there, would, you would be told you're not doing your job. Basically, what do you mean you've only given out six tickets this month? You know, right? But he, he yeah, everybody not, everybody was driving great. That's right. <laughs> what do you know? People are loving legal. Uh, no, he he denied it, but I, he was very shifty about it, and I got the feeling that that was a very like pat. Then why would he have you guys ask any question and then dodge it? One of the questions that he did at, answer, though, that with the, to your point on the car fire, was he said uh, he was talking about somebody asked him somehow, do cars explode as easy as they do in the movies? Because you know, you know, you mm-hmm. work a lot of accidents, and he said, I've been working as a street cop for thirty years, and he said I've seen two cars explode, and he goes, and one of them was a guy who threw a cigarette butt down at the scene. <laughs> Which I thought that's so crazy. <laughs> that must have been like the eighties when people were just like everyone was smoking and they're just like, yeah, but I didn't man, can you believe this car fire? <laughs> I didn't think a cigarette butt could actually well, I think, ignite anything. Well, there was a gas, <clears throat> there was a ga- trail of gas evidently coming from the scene. Even and they, so, it takes a lot. Look, the cigarettes evi- that I smoke. Evidently, he hit the button. He hit it right on the. When I'm out, he in the, threw it into the wreckage. <laughs> when I'm out in the woods trying to dispose of a car, right? Like I find, yeah. the cigarette will not like five fire. six tries. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I just start shooting at the gas tank. Is what I do. Like I did that other night. Yeah, but that was it. Was cool to have that. Like you, you want to have that access. I wonder. You know, some preachers do that. They do series like ask ask me anything yeah. kind of a thing. I used to do that. And. uh did you answer all of them, or were some of them like, well, this is not – Try to. That's That was the whole basis. We used to call it uh, – Because if you don't answer that, they'll be like, well, he didn't get to mine. Yeah. Well, at, at first I would just – when I first started it, you were you were there. Yeah. You were the scarecrow. Right. When I first started it, I would just sit up and let them randomly ask. And then I realized it got – so we could never end. Yeah. So then I had them turn in questions, and I would just, hey, you know, guys, this is as many as we're going to have to cover tonight. There was a, a lot of them were just, what do you guys do all day? <laughs> right that's a, that's the big thing parishioners want to know from their pastors uh, is like what exactly would you say you, you do, do here, here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Um, I go find an old Osteen sermon. I put it in my own words. And then I go play golf. <laughs> Takes a lot of time to transcribe all that by hand. Ugh. Sermons.com. Uh, you know, when I moved back to Nashville, I got a lot of tickets. I got like three tickets in that first year. All in different places. I was helping uh, our mutual Are you one of these people that blame the cops? Like, oh, oh, freaking cops. No, I was, I was going fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in a church van coming down Briley Parkway. Because, you know, it was under... This is not a lie. I left in 2000... Sorry, I left in 1997, the fall, yeah. to go to college. And they were doing construction on Briley Parkway. When I returned to take this job in 2004, yeah. they were just finishing up the construction on Briley Parkway. That's ninety seven to 04, seven it's been years. Smooth sailing ever since. It's, it's so this cop got behind me, and it was all these construction barrels, and I was in this big fifteen passenger van, mm-hmm. and he wanted me to pull over. I'm just one of my pet peeves. I will say this, and I, I'm a huge supporter of law enforcement. Okay, as am I. But one of my pet peeves about law enforcement is when a person is pulled over in an unsafe place, right on the side of the road, or sometimes the middle in, of the in road. the lane. Yeah. yeah. They're blocking the lane, and we're all trying to get around and not hit people. Mm-hmm. Like, just have them pull up to the next parking lot or driveway or whatever. People get so scared when they see those blue lights, though. They just feel like if I go to a safe area and it's too long, it looks like I'm evading. So they just stop dead in their tracks. Well, and there's a reason that they think that because that's exactly what happened. So I'm not yeah. going to do that. I'm not going to pull over. I'm not going to stop because there's no shoulder because of construction in the middle of Briley Parkway. Right. Like, it's, the most, it's, it's not safe there. Another regional reference, but go. But there was no, there was no like exit for yeah. like two miles. Okay. So I slowed down, put on my blinker, and drove like two miles. Yeah. And when I finally pulled off, he's he, furious. He pulled his car up oh, in boy. front of me, <gasps> like at an angle. Oh, like he's trying to block you. And from, I rolled my window down. Like, what are you doing? And I did. I was like, "Hey, I'm not running." I mean, yeah. like, number one, I wouldn't have just pulled over. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, there's nowhere to pull over. And he was, it was, I was, I was so angry that he was so angry. Oh, I was like, boy. this is dumb. I mean, I didn't even try to go fast. Yeah. And he was just like, oh, oh okay. And then he, you know, gave me a ticket. But, <laughs> <laughs> you did not get a warning that day. No, but so that was Metro. And then I got one in Murfreesboro helping Andy move into his dorm. Oh, yeah. And then I got one in Lakewood, which was like, this no longer has its own police force. And, I will just tell you one story. If you talk about impactful, because I took so much, I took so much uh, traffic school that they gave me a minor. Actually, they added it to my college degree. Like I've now minored. In traffic <laughs> That's school. interesting. Yeah, That's really, really good. Really interesting. Yeah. Defensive driving. Yeah. So I mean, I don't <laughs> like to brag about it, but, you know, but I have a few extra letters behind my name. Um, and so I went to this one traffic school in Lakewood. It used to be the like traffic trap in all of all of uh, yeah. speed trap in all of Nashville. Mm-hmm. Now they are just back to Metro. They don't have their own force anymore. That guy, and it's a sad, it's a sad thing. He said, I want to tell you a story. It was right here at Lakewood uh, elementary or whatever the school is right there. He was like, there's a school zone one day. Uh, and a dad went out and was helping his kid cross the street in a school zone to go to school. Looked both ways. Everything was clear. And as soon as he let his kid get about halfway across, a car just flew over and killed his kid mm. in a school zone. He goes, if y'all want to know why we're a speed trap, he told that story. Then he said, and that was my kid. Oh, wow. I mean, I, it, it impacted me to this day. He said, so I teach this class and people get pulled over in Lakewood. And this is why, you know, because we just, it's too dangerous. Right, zero, zero tolerance policy. Yeah. 
and he shared. I was like, okay, I'm gonna slow down through Lakewood. You know, yeah. like I mean that 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 really impacted me more than anything else I think I've ever had in traffic school. So. But uh, do you ever try to talk your way out of it with a judge or anything? Have you ever done that? I've done. I've done. I don't do it anymore. I used to. Man, or with the cop. A, my my yeah. wife would be like, "So you got pulled over? Did you tell him you're a pastor? Like, yeah. there's always you know. Tell him you're a you're concealed carry. You're a. I do tell him that. Yeah. Because yeah. that supposedly will get you out. Yeah. Because they assume if you're responsible enough to pass that test, then you're probably a responsible citizen. But you were speeding. Yeah, and I was shooting at another car. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't shoot it. I just show them the gun. <laughs> You know, yeah, that helps. That's an old like Jake Johansson bit. He was like, "What?" Because all the L.A. traffic, there was like a bunch of L.A. shootings in the '80s on the highway, and he's like, right. "I don't understand this. Just show them the gun." Like, "Hello, I need to merge." Like, you just wave it out the window. <laughs> it's true. It accomplishes the same thing. If you yeah. shoot the guy now, he's in your way. <laughs> he can't drive his car. You've shot him. Oh my goodness. There's a there's a tweet from the other day that I retweeted. And it made me laugh. It got a bunch of retweets. It said, I'll never understand people who get in the fast lane just to drive the speed limit. This lane is for crime. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. That's so funny because it's yeah. like, that's what you're really saying. Like, what are you doing? Going? You're so mad if somebody's following the law in a certain lane. Well, they even call it, though. Well, they actually don't call it the fast lane. The 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 books call it the passing lane. The passing lane. So they make they make allowance for you to break the law in that lane. Yeah. This lane's for crime. And I do break the law in that lane a lot. So. Oh, man, we're, we're edgy. But there's grace, John. Oh, yeah. Maybe? Sure. Yeah. Well, what's funny is is now I know everywhere in Nashville. Yeah. And I know everywhere between here and Knoxville that a cop might be. I've driven those roads so much yeah. for the most part. Now, some might, unless they're in the traffic with me, I didn't see them. But, yeah, I go fast and slow and you fast and slow because I know around the edge, this is where one could be sitting. Like, it's a I – mean, I'm not proud of it. I mean, I'm kind of proud of it. You seem pretty proud. <laughs> you, you've – the system is – you're I'm, above the law. I'm grateful that I've been pulled over more. I've been yeah. pulled over in a long yeah, time. Yeah, I've done pretty good. I've had a good – you know, I, I had such a bad string when I was in my early 20s. I got a 12 – I got a six-point ticket. And then I got another six-point ticket if we're going like 20 over each time. And they literally suspended my license. Wow. I had to go to like a hearing. And they said, you're on probation. First, they, they sent me a letter. Your license suspended until this hearing. So I had to, had to go like two weeks without driving at all. And then they said, go to this hearing. And the hearing was basically a warning, but it was probationary. And it said, you have a year before these 12 points fall off. If you get a ticket in this year, this this suspension of your license will be a one-year suspension. And I mean, I'm working a job. I'm doing, you know. Yeah. I'm like, can you imagine not being able to drive for a year, having to get rides places and everything, and just explaining it to people too. Yeah. They're like, no, this wasn't a DUI. I just drive real fast. I'm dumb. You know, like there's no. It doesn't even like right. I didn't. So I go to. So I got to take dumb UI. So during that so, year, it is <laughs> driving under the influence of ignorance. <laughs> Anyway, so I get a ticket that year, during the year, and I'm panicked because I'm like, this is going to wait. So I went to traffic school, and, you know, if you go to traffic school, they evidently they throw the ticket away. Mm. It never makes it to the judge's desk. Right. So that was the only thing that saved me from having a year suspension of my license, all because of speeding. So I've learned to slow down over the years, John. I'm so, in my 40s now. I'm a more mellow. Yeah. And I go slow now anyway because I'm trying to, like— get the best hybrid mileage now i'm like 
I'm just teetering along, trying to keep it in EV mode. Right, right. It's pathetic. That is, that's kind of, yeah, I still, look, my, my Acura, it'll go, and I need it to. I drive to Hendersonville like two, three nights a week for volleyball, so. And you're late all the time. Well, I had a huge traffic jam. Who could ever anticipate traffic jam in the middle of Nashville? No, I left you just way leave early. I did. I left way earlier. All right. Should have okay. arrived 20 minutes early, and instead we were three minutes late as opposed to 20 minutes late. So, you know, it worked. You went through some kind of wormhole because of all your weird, <laughs> your traffic knowledge. I was like, I can't go that way. There's a cop over there. So Is that one of the ones I've paid off? Let me think. <laughs> Hold on. Who, who can be bought in this town? Who can keep up with it all? Who plays volleyball with my daughter? <laughs> Who's... <laughs> So, speaking of your daughter, yeah, I know, because I had an experience on the plane. I had a long travel weekend, and it was good. The shows were good. Last flight's home. I'm haggard. I've done my shows, and it's just like one of those, like, just get me home. And I get on the plane, and they've distanced the seating where there's nobody in the middle, which I'm happy for. But two rows behind me to the left, there's a little girl and her mother. The girl's probably six years old. She's singing happy birthday loudly. And I'm thinking, whatever, maybe it's her birthday. Maybe it's her mom's birthday. And then everybody's just kind of like turning around, but smiling. I think they're smiling. It's masks, but you, people smile with their eyes now. You're like, well, this is. And then somebody says, she sings good, you know, and they're just being, it's cute. It's whatever. You're like, she sings well? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go and then the mom goes, she loves to sing. My baby loves to sing. And, I, you know, I tell her, look, you know. Express yourself. This is great. You know, yeah, it is. It's neat. And she's not fantastic. It's a kid. <laughs> First of all, kids don't sing great. They've not really developed their, they, they, you know, they kind of just, they're, she wasn't like it was off key, but it wasn't, it was just singing. But she's acting like this kid's just, and I'm like, I don't want to be irritable. I know I don't have kids. I'm not trying to be irritable. But hopefully this kid. This is fine. Happy birthday is one thing. But she did a couple of rounds. <laughs> she did a couple of verses. And I know the reason I ask about Sadie is because I know Sadie grew up and she was singing a lot. And you're like, oh, Sadie sings and it's great. And, but it, I just want to know what you what you would have done in this situation as a parent. Because it didn't stop, John. Then she started singing another song. And then she started singing Christian songs, which, again, you know, I'm a Christian Fine. I knew these songs, but I'm thinking it's a plane full of people who are just nondescript. We don't know who they are. And she's singing. She's getting louder because they're encouraging her. Mm. And it's going, it's going too Man, far. Isn't that just like our lives? It is. And then she starts singing. And I told Curry this and she couldn't believe it. Like I made it up. But she started singing soon and very soon. We're going to see the king, which is not what you want to hear. On a plane. On a plane. <laughs> we haven't even taken off yet. She's singing no more crying there. I'm like, look, how about no more singing here? <laughs> But she is going, and I don't, I don't want to be that guy that's just like shut that kid up because I don't, I didn't feel that, but I also felt like, at what point as a parent do you go? I have a responsibility to kind of tell my kid there's other people on this plane. Yeah. What would you have done? Are you done with yourself? Yeah. What would you, <laughs> am I wrong for being irritated? I don't know. I mean, we were always the parent. Now I'll say I see parents sometimes with multiples. Yeah. And I and. They're just trying to survive. Right, of course. Like, they may not be able... I get it if a baby... Like, if a baby was crying on the plane... Right. I would have felt way more like, well, look, this is just a... This baby doesn't understand. But this little girl could have been told, hey, sweetie, not so loud. There's a lot of other people on yeah, this Yeah, we plane. probably would have told her not so loud, but we... I remember when Sadie was... When restaurants... You, I remember Laura saying, 
we're not doing restaurants right now because Sadie melts down. It's not fair to other people in the restaurant. Yeah. We've never – it's not like we get super irritated with other people if that happens. Yeah. We've never been the people, though, that just – the kids screaming in, either in church, in a restaurant, in an yeah. airplane, or doing something, acting – you know, even if it's fun, good things. We've always – were probably extra sensitive to the fact that we know there are other people. There are sometimes, yeah, some parents just act like, oh, this is not happening or yeah. I am completely not control. And, or this plane is here just for us. Right. And I may not know what they what is really going on. It may be that they really can't. Now, I will say this. There, there are some, especially if kids like have some sort of developmental issue. This didn't feel – if it was that, I think I would have – That, you know – I don't know that, but I didn't, it did not feel like that kind of situation. Where sometimes like, you see a parent who's being super brave and you don't know it because they don't – they're not – they don't have time to explain you're making, to now you you're making me feel bad. This all the things they're doing to take care of their kid right now that looks like chaos to you. parents brave. Wow. I'm, Johnny. I'm stifling their bravery. And also question whether or not that the child's really six – are you sure the child wasn't four or three? It sounds more like a... I don't know. All I see, know is... you're just making up... All I know is she was a little pitchy. So, she was pitchy, huh? She was... <laughs> I would... She would not have made it to Hollywood. Can I say that? Oh, boy. Johnny, I think that you're... Let's listen. I think the real issue here is your critical <laughs> spirit. That's... <laughs> that's the thing we should address. No, I mean, I would, I would help my kid. I mean, listen, sometimes on a plane when kids are little... It just it just is what it is, and you get there. And mm-hmm. again, I, I, that's why I take headphones. I, I don't n- nothing bothers me anymore. Oh, I put the headphones in, especially on a plane. Yeah, like I don't have any. It's all it's all good. So um, <sighs> now you make me feel bad. It's fine. No, I told you what I, I would have done. What you're saying, I would have probably just said, "Hey, you know." I mean, again, if, if it was five minutes and everyone's happy and she's in, yeah, f- sure. If it's 25 minutes and she's going through new songs and we're already into the flight, I'll be like, oh, okay, honey, you know, here, watch this screen. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. We're good parents. You are. Just, you're a good parent. That's oh, why I asked you because I want to know what, like, what, what would a good parent have done? I don't know, man. Here's Maybe a, that was a good parent. All I Maybe know. Maybe she's a hero, like you say. The only thing I know about parenting is this. I I really love my kid. Yeah. And I hope that she knows it. Yes. That's it. Like, I don't know. I told Laura this morning at, at, at 12, because I took her to school. I'm not going to get into details on things. But my bravest parenting move is often right now saying nothing. Because right. I could, especially being me. Right. The, uh, is, paralysis by analysis. Like overanalyzing, yeah. overcoaching. And I'm not. I spent, I'm an overcoach. Spent my life sure. coaching teenagers yeah. how to live life, and for the most part, they usually received it because I was a different adult than their parent. And being the other adult now, who's the parent, and my kid listens to me. I'm not saying that, but it would be so easy for me because she's my child mm-hmm. to just constantly be Andy Griffith, just like constantly yeah. be saying or no. Yoda, just giving your little yeah. And I do, but I try to make it quick. Uh huh. Which is a discipline for me, as you know. And then I try to, at times right now, not address a lot of things. Yeah. Like, and, I, and I lean into my wife for that wisdom like, hey. Because, you know, there's some things if you lean into it. For example, song lyrics. She doesn't know what they mean. Right. And she I, have to, if you explain, now she knows. Then I'm explaining the thing to her. But the principle of that is, is you let her listen to and So, of course, I have boundaries of things to let her listen to. There are other things that she just likes the beat and the and the melody, just like I did when I was her age. And she's not internalizing 
all the things about this that she can't understand. So she's only getting the backward masking messages that right. sent the artist. And again, and right. that other side of me goes as a Christian parent. Yeah. That other side of me goes that that side of what is feeding your soul and all those things. I absolutely believe in that. So I get caught. I'm very caught all the time between. Yeah, I don't want just garbage, you know, in, in any of our lives. Yeah. Uh, is it. Am I going to cause more damage or even, this is where I really get, am I going to cause more misunderstanding of what the gospel is really about by f- hyper-focusing too much right. on what is perceived negative behaviors yeah. that, are, that are cultural? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, just like putting your kid in bubble wrap, like a lot of, we saw a lot of parents do in the 80s and 90s, and then the minute the kid goes to college, it's like all bets are off, right? Because you just were shielded from everything. Well, yeah, and you can't tell a kid that the gospel is all about what Jesus did for you. You can't tell a kid it's all about, it's a grace first. It's not grace only, but it's a grace first. Right. And it's not, you don't lose God's grace because of your behavior. You don't gain it because of behavior. You can't, here's where I struggle. It's hard to tell a kid that, and that's, hey, that's what we believe. You know, this is what we believe, honey. And then spend all your life correcting behavior. Mm Mm-hmm. That's what the church, I think, has done. But parenting, you have to correct behavior. Like there's a – I do that. I create behavior right, all day long. Right. You're trying to make a, a citizen of – Right. The, yeah. You're it's trying a to training. make a model citizen out of, out of her. But what they – I've just seen too many people, though, in their young adulthood then who – I think the real issue wasn't that they had a professor who, you know, said something about evolution that challenged their faith. I, I think that if you're there if, – if this is just my personal viewpoint, by the way. If if like someone can prove to you some evolutionary theory and it shakes your faith in God to the core, then it was based upon something I think like I'm I'm not sure if 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 let's just say for a moment that gap theory proved to be true. We get to heaven and it turns out God's like, yeah, you know what? There was uh, because here's what I know: 140 million years ago, Johnny, mm-hmm. God was here. Like if you believe in an eternal God who's infinite, mm-hmm. something was happening 140, like Christians today almost act like, oh, we can't believe that because that, that's not the biblical, I'm, I'm not, I, I'm just fine with a literal seven day creation. I'm fine with it all because I think it's to the, to the infinite, as Mark Batterson says, all things are finite. Like it's, it's no problem for God to make it in seven days, seven seconds, seven milliseconds or 700 million years. It doesn't change anything for me about God's ability. I don't, I don't know exactly but the seven days is fine. I'm fine with that. But how I feel about my, – my point of that is something was happening 140 million years ago mm-hmm. if God is eternal. I don't know what it was or what he was doing, but he was around. We act like he didn't exist. It's almost like we deny, deny our own theology in this defense of – Right, a young earth. A young yeah. earth. And so – because no one's telling me what Jesus was – what was he doing 140 million years ago? Well, we don't know. Well, maybe, maybe again the waters that were formed – deformed and void that the spirit of God hovered over. Perhaps there was something happening in those 140 million years before that already had caused water or so, you know, like there's this whole, there's this whole, I'm just open to the mystery of it all. Point being, I don't want my kid then though, being so grounded in behavior or young earth theory or that when she finally has her faith challenged, you know, it's like a linchpin. Everything comes yeah. out with it. Yeah. I don't know why we're doing that. We can teach those things. They just need to be very secondary. And I'm not sure how much for children, like I said this to one of our, our pastors the other day, it is hard enough 
for any of us yeah. to really believe how much God truly deeply loves us before we ever even responded to him, that he would give his life before we were responding while we we're still sinners. Christ died. Like, that's hard enough. I, kids don't believe it. It's not that they don't believe in Jesus. They, they don't believe their worth mm-hmm. enough to God. Why do they not believe that? Because they don't feel a certain way or have great behavior. Right. Or they, even if they believe they have value, which we talked about that, the self-esteem movement of the 60s, 70s, 80s, did it lead to kid, parents, kids were told they were special so much that they, it's hard to discipline a kid because they're like, but I'm special. I think it's not just that. It's a, not about them just not believing their worth. It's about them believing their worth is tied up in what they do. Right. Because they see it modeled by parents even. My worth is tied up in my value, my title at my job, how much money I make, mm-hmm. what car I drive. That gives me value. And what I do, me being a, a, a civilized person gives me value. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, being a sophisticated person, whatever. Like the minute I lay that down, my value starts to diminish. And so, yeah, it's hard to tell a kid your value doesn't come from those things when they see it modeled in, you know, generation after generation ahead of them. Well, and you reward them when they do well, when she yeah. makes A's. You, it's like, it's okay. Those are good things. Having them not tether them to their intrinsic internal value is a, is something, again, this is where I think about parenting. That's why I'm more likely to say nothing right now. Yeah. This feels like you just justifying because Sadie wants to listen to gangster rap. <laughs> I need you to tell me what she's listening to. She's, she she's pumping Marilyn Manson throughout the house. And you're like, <laughs> let her just get through this phase. She's got to. I talked to her about it. I just don't harp. No, what if not. she listened to just terrible music? Like bad music. Not bad morally. Just... Couple, awful music. A couple songs I don't like the music. Now, yeah. Now she listens. You're like, well, this is just bad taste. We're going to intervene here. I will tell her that. I'll be like, <laughs> hey, uh, it's so funny the conversations we have. I'm just like, yeah, I'm not digging the melody. That's her getting roast beef from Arby's. That's her getting her yeah. coffee from Keurig. You've got to intervene as a parent. And but again, she's going to think that you're lame because you're older, right? Maybe she thinks you just don't get it. What the kids are into. I think she's coming down on her. <laughs> <laughs> I think that she knows that I play instruments. No, no, I know she knows that. Yeah. And so she has, she seems to have some level of trust in, here's what I know. She wants me to like it too. Okay. So that's cool. And I do. The stuff she listens to, I that'll, like. That'll fade. Pop. Once she gets, yeah, once she gets older, that won't be as important probably. We actually have special time riding to practice. Cause I'm she, sure that, I don't mean that. I mean that the, every teenage person gets to a point where they're like, they walk 10 paces behind their parents because now dad's a lame dad, right? Is that There's think, some of that. Do you think you're going to escape that? No. Okay. But I do. I do. And then when she gets in her 20s, you'll be awesome again. Yeah. She'll be but, like, oh, my, I was an idiot. I'm so sorry, dad. There'll be that moment probably. Mm, I don't know if we you ever don't think? Did you ever say that to your mom? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got to have that moment with my mom where I was like saying, man, I was a really like... I did that too to my dad, especially I went to college. There's conversations I wish I could have with my mom now. Yeah. There's a million questions and all those things. But uh, yeah, but yeah, not with my not with my dad. My dad just wasn't that kind of dad. But because of my mom, for sure, I, I, I kind of came to a realization of like, man, I put my mom through some stuff, you know. Yeah, I, I did before dad died. I... I apologize for some things and then my mom i still apologize sometimes or i'll tell her a story she didn't know yeah 
like, oh, hey, this was happening, you know, kind of thing. And I did this show in uh, June. One of the first shows I ever did during the pandemic was at a church in Franklin. And I told I think I talked about it on the podcast, but Steve and Annie Chapman did uh, a set. They're older. They're kind of like pioneers of Jesus, oh, yeah, the yeah. Jesus music movement. Like yeah. they're one of the original Christian music yep. and they're icons. And they had, they were the sweetest people. And one of the songs they did like made me just ugly cry. And it was a song about a teenage uh, or a 20 te- something girl going back and apologizing for the hell she put her parents through and the parent forgiving her and the, the verse, uh, after she says this hell I put you through and the, the parent says in the, in the chorus, let's call it even. And it's this whole thing about them forgiving each other. And I was like, it was so heavy. And I was like, Oh man, it like, it made me like literally tear up just thinking about it. And, um, but yeah, there's that thing of like, if we really believe in grace, like we, you know, but it is cool to have that moment where you go, Oh, that perspective. And some of it only comes from having kids. I'm sure like with you, you have that perspective that you couldn't like that. Maybe I'll never have. Because, like, you see, oh, this is what my mom was going through with me. Well, and again, having a girl and being a boy, you know, yeah. th- there's some differences. Laura will say, oh, yeah, I did that you know, kind of thing. Like, that's a, I don't know, they're all female, male, you know, relative. But I, I, I do feel, I don't know. I know this. She'll, I hear her say this, things like, yeah, me and my dad jam out to music on the way to practice. Like I hear her say that, which means like, so I do, I will sit because it's not about the music. Right. Know? Of course. And I need, I need this, this is time. And we may not be saying a lot, which she just wants, we just talk about the songs, you know, and that's cool. It's something I can share with her. I, um, I'm trying to learn to be a part of her life and not just try to pull her into my own. And <laughs> the faith part, you know, I'm just like, man, the discipline to not be a preacher all the time. Right is really well. Yeah, I mean that's hard. Yeah, or a counselor all the time, or uh, just because you have you've got knowledge and perspective, but some things you can't learn from just someone's rote knowledge telling you. You have to experience. Some people don't even learn that way anyway. They're just not wired to learn that way. Some people don't learn until they like. Even if you learn, you don't have to. You don't have to have every horrible thing happen to you to learn that something is wrong and has bad consequences. I don't mean I hope that. Not. But I mean that there are people who learn by doing, and there are people who learn by listening, and there are people who learn by watching. Yeah. And you, that's why school is so hard for some people. Because if you're a if you learn by doing, you need a vocational kind of a school, and you might be sitting in the class all day and just getting zero from it. Right. And they're failing you, and you're just like, yeah, but if I could just put my hands on this, I would. Yeah, and it's hard. I I, I actually think school, those learning styles are certainly there. I think for life, I've kind of come to the conclusion, not everything, but most things that matter, you're going to have to have some level of experience. What I'm trying to do is lay a foundation. So it's almost like I'm putting bread crumbs down on the trail so that when she comes to it, I hope she'll, oh, she'll recognize this is what mom and dad was talking about. Yeah. So telling her, I used to think I could tell her and she'd just know it. And now I'm like, no, that's not, that's not how it worked for me. But if I can, you know, I'm looking now at some things, the way my dad looked at God, you know, I just kind of, even in, when I was an early minister, I kind of thought my dad was like a hippie, almost a hippie mm-hmm. Christian, you know, and now I'm kind of see, oh, okay, he was right about some things. I was way too rigid in the way I put God in a box. It was about my performance. I expected performances from others and dad just didn't do that. He'd already learned that didn't work. You know, we shouldn't have the best language to share with that. We had it towards the end of his life. 
but so in, in some ways I'm going, look, you're planting for the future. So yeah, when there's a relationship issue, this is a moment, you know, you plant the right thing. We give some pointers. We almost always say, you get to do what you want to do. We're going to tell you, I think this, and, and when she tries something the other way and it doesn't work, Hey, you know, I hope that that dot you go, is, Aha! It's hard, man. No. It's hard. I told you it wouldn't work. I mean, it, Cause it is, you watch every day, a hundred things you said wouldn't work that your kid tries. Most of them, they're just minor. And you're like, it doesn't mean necessarily that dot's connected. Like it may have to happen. And, and you look back and go, honestly, 12, I don't remember much. I mm. have, I have like fleeting passing memories of big events before 12, you know, mm-hmm. but they're kind of like images that last for a few moments. I can remember this birthday or this present or this thing that happened. 12 is when I have like a consciousness yeah. of who I was, of how I wanted to be perceived. I can remember a lot more about sixth grade forward. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I can, I can think I have a, again, I think it's just how your, your psyche works. So, I think about all the work, quote unquote, that I've done as a parent up to now, like she probably won't remember as a conscious memory these kinds of things up to now, except maybe the Disney trip. But it'll still be like fleeting images. But guess what? What I do now, which is the hardest part because I don't know what to do as much, it'll be what she really recalls of me. Like as a as a part of her own now yeah. individual development. I mean, this is deep stuff. This is this is where I you know. So I'm trying to just be like, hey, let's number one. I think for all believers and all parents, all of us, a, a rule. It's a rule of, of in medicine and nursing. And Laura always says this: first, do no harm. Yeah, do no harm. So right now, I'm just trying to do no harm. <laughs> like I'm just I've taking great, the Hippocratic oath over here. With I've your got kid. a great kid, and sometimes I do harm because I realize me being frustrated affects her differently than other people being frustrated in her life. It's, it's harder on her than when, if her mom's frustrated, like I can do harm really quick. I'll go, why, why did that hurt your feelings so bad? You know, cause I'm her dad. Like it just is what it is. Yeah. I'm going to have to be, I'm going to have to keep learning to react softer, you know? Um, cause I do, I'll get, I get real black and white in my head. Like, don't do that. You know, like it. And I'm also, and you and I talk about this is so funny. I'm also when someone gets hurt in a way that is random and not serious, I'm frustrated, not compassionate. Yeah. I've had to stop doing it. I'd apologize to my wife for that. You know, look, if you just, you know, she stubbed her toe real bad, you know, and I'm and, and I'm just like, I don't know. My first reaction is what you what are you doing? Right. It's, you, it's your empathy. Your empathy is is uh I'm I'm actually super concerned that she's hurt. Yeah, I wanted to avoid it so badly. Right, I'd want you to not be hurt so badly that I'm now frustrated it happened because as it goes back to my region, because waste a waste, a wasted opportunity or an experience that happened that didn't have to happen is like the greatest affront to my psyche. Like anything that we could have avoided, that's what a six does. A six is constantly looking at worst case scenarios so that you can avoid them. So if you could have avoided that, my no, yeah, my empathy's low. Your poor wife. It's horrible, and I've apologized. Now you got to carry your toe around. I, I guess you're going to be limping for the next few minutes now. No. Way to go! <laughs> well, I guess like, I'll get my own coat from the fridge. And by the way, the next night after that happened is when I slipped on the ice and went down. And oh yeah, absolutely you got your bruised injury. my back, and that's where I had to came. I came in, and I was like, I am so sorry. 
that I was not more empathetic to you. And about she your said, tone. I don't forgive you. She said, you guys are in counsel. <laughs> you had your chance. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I hurt myself so much worse doing something I should have known. So anyway, that's when it all blows up in your face and you realize that you're a real jerk to everybody. So I'm working on it. Some of us are out there slipping on the ice of uh, life. Some of us John. are just stubbing our toes. And we need more empathy <laughs> for others. I agree, John. Hey, guys, we appreciate you hanging out with us, man, today. Uh, it's always a lot of fun. I really enjoyed this, Johnny, because, you know. Me too, John. We're close friends. I don't know if you know that. For a long, long time now. So um, Let's keep it that way, John. Yeah, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. So I'm glad that I don't, I don't think I easily offend you. Uh, no. Not easily. No. Just, you know, if it you takes get fr- a lot. I like it that we've reached a place in our friendship where I know sometimes you're frustrated, but it's like, what is he going to do? Right. What <laughs> like is, we've been friends too long. Yeah. You know, we just say sorry. You, you know. just say what's on your mind and you trust that person to know that there's no malice behind it. Right. You're like, you're late again. And I'm like, yeah, sorry. I mean, like, yeah. I'm not going to go home and worry. Like, oh, you are. You were late to lunch today. I, wonder, I, didn't, I didn't even mention it. I wonder if Johnny's going to not want to be friend. Like, I'm like, eh, it's too far. He's invested too much now. I don't now. know if I like this the way you're just like, ah, he'll. <laughs> you see, now I don't put I'll any do what effort I want. into our relationship. Man, this is. Should no, sin abound, Johnny? If my that. grace abound, should your lateness abound? I don't know, but it does. It does. I don't know if it should, but. Uh, <sighs> Hey, guys, make sure you head over to our website. Talk about that podcast.com. It's a beautiful site where you can find all the platforms. Uh, archived episodes. There's over 150 plus. Yeah. Oh, so, so many. Oh, my goodness. You can find out everything you wanted to ever know about us and our opinions on life and everything. Life, faith, politics, relationships, sports. It's all there, guys. It is. It's like we're a newspaper that gets delivered to you every week. Yeah. Sort of. I don't know. Some people are like, what's a newspaper? <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you leave us a review. Appreciate the review. Maybe yours will get read on the air like the one we did today. So, uh, I, you know what? I, what I liked about that review is is it was funny and critical of us, but also still gave us five stars. Yes. I don't know if we're ever going to read a one-star review. No. It's like, because then we're going to condition the listener to start leaving one-star reviews. Right. That's how you get attention on here is you be a hater. <laughs> So I don't know. But guys. if we only read the good ones, it's like we're very sensitive. Right. We're very like we're we're literally censoring our population. I'm and, sorry. Yeah, in order to help our, ourselves, we're tender-hearted over here. We don't we're thin skin. Introspective, looking at it. So <laughs> just love us, please, just, please, guys. Why do you hate us so bad? So, hey, we do appreciate you though listening. It means a lot to us. Thanks to all of our patrons as well. We know through some difficult times, you guys have uh, stuck by us. We appreciate that. And, uh, hey, good times are ahead, man. We're looking forward to it. We'll see you next week on Talk About That. do when the world around you is falling apart. It's amazing to me how many people are breathing air, they're going about their business and doing the things you're supposed to do. But if you really ask them, they know that on the inside, they are spiritually and emotionally and relationally dead. If we're not careful, all of us can experience that death. When what we need to do, even as the world around us is falling apart, we need to learn how to march when it would be easier to stay where we are and die. Join me each week on the March or Die show as we discuss that and so much more.